Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fireside chat, Kadirums. Uh, uh, as usual, you know, we're here with Mass, Sandro, myself. And for those who don't know about this series, uh, what we usually do is we pick a topic and we discuss it just like we do every other day, only now we are recording it because we think it would be interesting for, you know, the community and, and to to create a little bit of, of debate. And today's topic is something that um, actually came up quite recently. We were having a conversation with a client and they're trying to put in place certain practices, you know, stream programming, they're trying to uh, adhere to some of those craftsmanship values, but they also have a very metric driven, you know, organization. So they, they were asking the question of, how do you measure quality, right? Like, how do can we make sure that these things that we're trying to put in place are actually affecting you know, what, what we want to affect? And we thought that was a very interesting question and something that uh, comes up not only that client, but, but uh, all across, no? And uh, yeah, uh, would like to share some thoughts on on how we think about it and, and what kind of solutions we've found. So without further ado, uh, why don't we start with uh, defining a little bit what we mean by quality, yeah, and then we take it from there. Uh, from there, I don't know, Sandro, Mash, where wants to jump in first? Okay, I will put Mash on spot because I want oh. you to see what the the, the, the philosophical <laughs> side of of quality. <laughs> well, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been warned not to go down into the philosophical route too much, so I will. I won't bore you with what Christopher Alexander and then the art of motorcycle maintenance and all those kind of things say. But I will take a practical thing, and it does point to actually uh, some of the kind of philosophical side. Is that quality is often uh, mentioned as an event? When we think quality, we think something that is innate in an object. And actually, I like to think of it better as an event. And in fact, in Zen the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, that's that's where I got the insight from. And the what that means is that quality is something that happens when the observer or the user or the the person experiencing is uh, is experiencing a particular object, and that event is quality. And the reason it has a very practical nature is because it talks about perspectives, right? Because an event is a, is a reaction between two things. So a thing cannot have simply have quality. It is about, and Sandro, you've mentioned it a few times, like quality to whom, right? So in, in, the, in software that we are talking about at the moment, <clears throat> when you talk about quality, you have to first quali qualify the event. Right. What is the event? Is the event a developer adding the next feature? Is the event um, a uh, we are as a team deploying the next release, or a person using the system, or a, another system using a system, or a business benefiting from from the software that they've invested in? These are all different events. So when we start talking about quality, we have to, first of all, scope the event. What was that event? And from there onwards, you can quite easily start looking at the proxy metrics that would then help you understand whether that event was 
good or bad. And often, actually, it's easier to define the things that that are negative, that make you say, oh, that's not good quality. So an example of that is a developer trying to change a feature and they are unable to change it in a timely manner or unable to understand it. That's not good quality, right? And from there onwards, you can you can kind of start seeing, well, what would be better quality in that instance? Mm -hmm. Cool. So there is a, 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 something that is aligned to what you said, but I, I think I heard first time from, uh, I think it's called Jero. I never know how to pronounce his name properly. I was trying to write it down so I could read it. I think it's Gerald Weinberg. Uh, he wrote Secrets of Consulting. And he wrote loads of books like that. Uh, he, he passed away a few years ago. Like he's was, uh, but but uh, but uh, the way that he defined that, it was a very uh, abstract way. But he said like quality is something of value to someone. And then uh, I think it was uh, Marcus Gardner, the guy that wrote the HDD book. He complimented that. He said like quality is something that is val uh, valuable to someone at some point in time. And I found that very insightful as well, because like over time, we value different things. And the things that we value the most, we expect, we have certain expectations, right? And, and we don't apply this, the, the same expectation across everything. So even when we go to a supermarket, for example, another uh, metaphor here, but like there are certain things when I go to the supermarket that I will take the cheapest, right? Whatever is in there, like, I don't know, butter let's say that i don't care much about butter i'll get the cheapest but there are maybe that is olive oil that is a thing that i really like and i'll get not necessarily the most expensive but i will ex i'll take the one that meets my expectations and i normally have higher expectations because it's a thing that i like more which means i generally understand more and that you can apply to everything to cars to houses and stuff so there are things that you are willing to uh invest more because you understand more, you like more, you care more, and other things that say, you know what, well, this thing I don't care that much. And that changes over time as well. So that, that's how they define quality. There's something that is valuable to someone at some point in time. Just I, I, I like uh, a lot both of the, of the approaches because it's not only something that uh, is based on the perspective of the person you know, experiencing this event, no, or looking at the characteristic, if you want to call it, no, um, it's something that changes over time because that perspective also changes over time, no, and that context in which you're doing it also changes over time. Although most of the definitions are very abstract, and I think this is where the problem comes in, right? Because mm -hmm. they they're too generic. Yeah, yes, they fit. You know what how we want to describe the concept but then when you're trying to turn it into something tangible like i want a number no or i want you know something that i can uh, i want to know where i am with my quality exactly right? so exactly i want to i want to have know what the progress is i want to know no like these, these things uh, these questions that i'm trying to answer then it becomes difficult to to find one or two metrics that sort of represent all of that no because precisely because you're talking about different perspectives then you can talk about quality at different levels within what you're doing at the same time 
no mm-hmm. uh you mentioned that no that, that those perspectives now is it we're delivering features is it the business is it the no uh and and based on those perspectives then maybe you want to be looking at different things right and the number that the the, the things that you be <clears throat> objectively looking at may be very different from one another right and so this idea of having a consistent view of quality I think it's important not everyone has in their mind that it that you're not talking about a single thing right like it it has all of these uh, uh, areas around it no that that you do want to look at depending on you know what your perspective is right mm-hmm. yeah so taking it further then so why do you think this question comes up right like what do you think people are trying to achieve when they want to measure quality at whatever level no i i i personally think it's it's a it's about about an experience and quality is the word that we always use to mean that you know we are having a that something will meet our expectations as sandro was saying you know whatever those expectations may be and because we our expectations are quite uh intangible in a way there are some it's it's instinctive you feel it and it's it's all at at different times different things matter to you so you we find it difficult to pin down what exactly that we are looking for so then we reach for the more vague abstract notion of quality and then we just use the word quality i want to measure quality but in your mind you've got a number of things that are important now you know that something else was important earlier and so on so I personally don't think it helps to say how do we measure quality. I think it we we need to be a bit more concise in in what is it that we want. Yeah, so you know, is it that we we want to be able to as I was saying before, change and add features more quickly, right? And it's not just one thing. We may may want a number of things. So we, we, we should go down into, into that and say, well, okay, of all the things that are important, what are the things as a collective, which is basically the organization, including all aspects, uh, business, uh, you know, uh, the, any other users, developers, uh, people operating, so on, right? What are the things that are important to all of them? And then start prioritizing because you can't, you know, it's it's about investment as well. Measuring and reacting on that feedback is a lot of investment. And so you can't address, measure everything. And even if you could, you could not address everything. So measuring everything is not even necessary. So then what do you measure? And sorry, go on, Sandra. No, no, no. Just, just. I thought you were, you were finished. So I was just saying that you know, there, at that that time, you can start reaching out for some more standard measures, right? People have thought about this. Everyone's been thinking about it. This, this, they've been, uh, and there are lots of little, little metrics running about. And then you can start thinking about what are the standard, more well-recognized metrics, maybe some research behind them, and the four key metrics come to mind as well, that can actually be a good starter 
but but even before you go I, I think you brought up a really good point which is we need to be aligned on what as a collective we think is what matters no mm -hmm. and and that's an important thing before you start choosing anything no yeah yeah, yeah the, the, the there are the the different just just what mesh was saying there are things that might frustrate us so for example so sometimes that the 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 need to measure quality comes from the frustration that we are not able to do something or doing something is very difficult. So uh, examples, just to, to keep the conversation a little bit more co on the concrete side, uh, for example, we are not able to test our system fast enough. Or as Mesh mentioned another example, we are not able to deliver uh, things fast enough or we are not able to uh, I don't know, maximize the work, the parallelization. We are not able to parallelize the work across teams. Or as a developer perspective, you say like, look, I find it's very painful to maintain this code every time that I need to come to this area of the code base or this system uh, is always very difficult for me. Uh, so so those, those comes from things that you want to do better and you are not able to. And normally we end up thinking we don't have quality in this area, right? So we associate quality to something that we don't have. Uh, often, or like normally in a, what I'm saying, like that's why in our experience, when people say, I want to start measuring quality, that is the main driver, is that they are not able to do something. If they were happy with how they were uh, working and performing, very rarely they would say, I want to measure quality, right? So, so, so this is one aspect, but then there is the aspect of, when you are frustrated with something, let's let's take testing that is the, the most uh, common thing. So people say, oh, we don't have a, a good uh, set of uh, autom uh, test automation or, or, or we, we don't have a, a lot of automated tests and so on and so forth. So we don't have quality. This is one problem, right? So, but if we address this problem in specific, does it mean we have quality or does it mean that we just have uh, a good test suite? So, so we have quality in that area. So we are really looking quality as uh, specific areas where we are looking at quality holistically because that changes as well. And then uh, I also think that there are different levels of quality as well. So mainly when people come to like clients or even our own teams, they say, oh, we need quality. Quality at which level? At the low level in terms of the code and the unit tests of that, that units of code or at higher levels, all the way to architecture, business value and stuff. So, so there are different things that we can address here as well. Mm. This, I, sorry, go on. Sorry, this, this brings up uh, one topic that I think you, you prosper is, should you focus when measuring quality on outcomes or should you focus on behaviors? Right. And this is an important aspect because a lot of the time people tend to measure, you know, behaviors and so on, right? Like things like, you know, are you writing tests? How, what's the coverage and, and that kind of, uh, no, a low level, no, a, a metric, no. Uh, but the outcome, which is I'm not able to do X, I'm not able to, no, like these things that you're trying to achieve but are not able to get to is kind of where you want to go. It doesn't matter then, you know, what the coverage is or, you know, how many tests mm -hmm. you're writing or, or not, if you are not able to to perform the things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an important point that I think, again, people <clears throat> focus on what they can measure, 
no to some extent mm -hmm. where no i i installed i installed i don't know sonar cube and it's going to tell me you know coverage and all of these things and that's the easy part of of trying to uh do it but it, that's not really telling you how the outcome is gonna is going to evolve or how or whether you're reaching that or not yeah yeah i i have a real issue with you know the term quality assurance engineer right it's like quality assurance has a role it, it could exist and we've kind of looked at maybe we'll talk about that later as well but you know like as you were mentioning behavior or activities uh, that, that are then considered to be quality, right? So testing, you know, uh, testing to be, uh, calling that quality assurance is, is, is not quality assurance. It's a, an activity that we think may help us achieve some kind of quality which is more related to the outcomes. But actually, why do we test? We test because we want to verify that, you know, that we don't have uh, defects or that, you know, we want to focus the code if you're talking about test-driven development. Um, or we, we, we test because um, we think it's a, it's a good practice, right? But it's, it doesn't actually, the real reason for testing is that it makes change easier and, and reliable. Right. But we don't. How do you measure that? We don't actually measure. We measure t test coverage. We often measure how long it takes for us to uh, to run the tests. Uh, but we don't make. How do you measure on whether that's making the system more reliable and easy to change? They are difficult and we don't look at that. In this case, I think that uh specifically talking about the test, for what you mentioned, Mesh, test is one of the enablers, but not mm. the only enabler. That's right. Right? So, but but maybe there is something in between. So, because if you if you if you move to the the definition of quality, let's say too high up to the point that it becomes too abstract, then there's no way that we can measure. And, and so then then I, I agree with the point that where you are coming from, but maybe there is something in between the two. So, for example, uh, if we want to know uh, after a change or every time you make a change, how quickly can we know that our system is stable and can be deployed to production? Right. So that means uh, how quickly can we test the entire system so that we are confident that we didn't introduce any bug or there's no any loss of behavior or, or vulnerability so that we can release a new version. So this we can measure. It's not all the way to where you went to in the process, but like if you reduce the scope somewhere in between, I said like, so why do we need tests? Well, I want to make sure that every time that I make a change, my system is ready to be used, right? So it's, uh, given whatever criteria is. And then you can measure how quickly you can get, you can answer that question. We are confident that our system can be shipped to production, given the, the all the features that we want or vulnerabilities or whatever are satisfied. So that we can we can measure, and that's a much uh, better metric, let's say, than the 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 code coverage because you can achieve that. This is this is what we were discussing with one of the clients. Uh, 
because we were talking about the regulators and the regulators wanted to say, look, we want to know if the system is compliant to the certifications and regulations and that doesn't have any vulnerability and all the features work. You can achieve that in multiple ways. You can achieve that with a manual process that can take a month, or you can take, achieve that on the other extreme with an automated process that can take maybe uh, a, a few minutes or maybe a couple of hours, <clears> depending <throat> on the size of the system and stuff. But the end result is the same. You can answer that question can be uh, uh, certain that your system satisfied those criteria. Mm -hmm. But then you can measure how fast you get to that answer. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd add to it a bit. Uh, I personally think that, yes, uh, you, the metric should be more, more should be related to how quickly we can make the change, right, in a reliable way. So it's actually related to lead time. Mm -hmm. Because actually, if you just look at how quickly I can verify the change, you're not counting the effort it takes to make the change. The reason I say that is that sometimes you may have really good fast running test co coverage, yeah? Mm -hmm. But actually those tests make your code very difficult to change. Um, so, so just, just uh, because like when you gave the example, I mentioned that the testing would be just one of the, 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 the things that would lead to what you said. So mm. the combination of other things would lead to what you want. And that's the lead time, for example, uh, is another aspect. So there will be multiple aspects. I was mm. not saying that that was the only one. Yeah. Just yeah, to complement. Yeah, like that, that's why, actually, I like the, the lead time as a metric because it, it's, it's not too vague. It's something you can measure. Mm -hmm. But it leaves, um, leaves the, let's say, leaves it to for you to decide how you are going to get to it. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, like automated testing, which we you know, consider a very good practice in, in a lot of cases, but it's not like a fundamental truth. It may not be applicable or may not be the right thing in some situations, right? So, because what you're really looking for is that, you know, I, I have a feature, I want to make the change, I want to make it as quickly as possible, and it needs to be reliable. So, you know, the other stuff like defect, chain failure rate, those kind of things kind of play into that. So mm -hmm. that level is, is, is a better level because it's not, as, uh, in my opinion, it's not as prescriptive. It's a better level in terms of business. I like that, for example, because they are in a different level as well, because like they are more of the business level. How we as a company or as an IT department or whatever, how are we performing at that? So that those those are good indicators at more of the business level, the return on investment, how we are doing as a department. But they alone, they don't give you the information, as you were saying. So then we need you to, to break, for example, let's say that we don't like the lead time. The lead time is whatever, uh, a month. Right, Let, mm -hmm. let's say, just to give a random number here. And we might be happy or unhappy about that lead time. If in case we are unhappy, uh, then that metric alone say, okay, yeah, we are unhappy, but like, why? Then we need to go and say like, what the, the, the whole, uh, uh, what is it called? The value stream mapping and try to figure out, okay, where are the bottlenecks? Where are we expanding time so that we don't, and then, then having, then we have more local metrics. Then we 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 would need to increase the quality. Let's say, let's say that we figured out that testing is what is taking out of this month 
in the lead time, testing is the one that is taking longer because it takes two weeks and it feeds uh, as, as they find issues, it will generate rework. Yeah. Right. So then we need to localize more attention and metrics and improve yeah. the process in that area. Yeah, no, no, certainly. So you, you need to go to the next level, which is basically the cycle time in each stage, or even looking at the queues, the work building up, all those kind of lean aspects. Um, I think what I was trying to say is that if you had to just say, well, what kind of metric to capture, you'd say, well, there are like capture lead time, but then look at your value stream to see, you know, where the bottlenecks are and start and you may not be able to see where the bottlenecks are, but what you can start thinking, well, what kind of things should I be measuring in order to see what the bottlenecks are? And that's when you start understanding the next level of kind of measures that you need to have in place so that when you have this thing, well, you know, I don't have the right lead time, then, well, what, what are the levers that I can, I can actually pull in order to reduce that lead time, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I wanted to to add two more things in here. One is that we, we talked about ROI now because in the end, you know, you some of the questions that you're trying to answer are related to that. No, is this investment worth it? No, is this helping me in, in some way as a business? No. And one of the things that I see with quality and and I'm working on this is that uh, some of it is very tangible. And uh, and some of it is intangible as well, right? And those are harder to. No, I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, let's say you have a pill that you know cures some disease, right? Uh, but it's not tested. It hasn't gone through any you know a regulator or anything. No, you don't know if there are going to be side effects. You don't know. No, uh, that's that has a value, right? Like. If it works, you know, you take the pill. However, once it goes through that process, the value increases because now you are sure it's the same pill. Nothing changed in the composition of the thing, right? But just the fact that it went through that process no, of, of ensuring the quality makes it more valuable. No? It makes it, if you know, people will feel easier about taking it they will know that all that stuff right so there is an intangible part there yeah of that uh, safety or that you know peace of mind if you want to call it and it happens with software as well right when we talk about being afraid of changing the code or being afraid of you know putting out new features or doing a release that is is not only you know how fast we're able to do it but how do people feel when you know they have to do that, and and that for me also has a has value, right? If people are stressed all the time. <laughs> that's not going to uh, be very uh, helpful on the yeah. no. But I think it's the value from uh, the different perspectives. I think that's what we were talking at the beginning. So, for, for example, from from the the people that are making the investment, they are worried about the the, the process sale. But there are the people that are building the different parts of the the solution. Uh, so each person involved in the process. They, they have their notion of quality because uh, there are certain things that will impede them to do a good job or the job the way that they wanted to do. And that's, so they will, they will build their own set of frustrations or needs and that will translate to their own 
notion of quality, as you were saying, a developer trying to 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 work fast in a code base, or even a a, a test a tester be able to easily test the system, or and things like that, or try isolate their their changes. This, yeah, but, yeah. Sorry, but, but this, this feeling. Sorry. Go go on, hold. <laughs> No, no, no. Just, just to come back to that is like, but the the point I was trying to make is that some of these things are easier to measure than than others, right? Like these things that I'm talking about may not necessarily reflect in uh, in in the kind of metrics that you know people usually use. Is what I was trying to convey. Well, I maybe I have a slightly different opinion. There are certain things that are intangible, but these kind of feelings come from fear. Right. So, uh, of course, a, a lot of other things can be wrong in a team. So there might be other issues why people are uncomfortable doing the job that they, you know, of software development operation, all the roles that we have in software delivery. Uh, but just looking at it from a software perspective, this fear is driven from a, uh, an, a, a things going wrong. Right. So things going wrong in, you know, in terms of defects, things going wrong because um, certain event or thing happened that I can't, I can't see. So the observability aspects, you, you basically, you don't, you don't feel like you have control, right? Because I'm doing a, a something, I will do it, but something may go wrong either in terms of defects and those concrete kind of um you know, problems in production, that kind of stuff, or to do with delivery that, you know, the expectation is that this needs to be done in a couple of days, but actually it, it may take me a month, you know? So, so if, if you can start thinking about you, I, I personally think you can uh, measure these things that, that people that provide more or less control. And, and work on those and they in turn feed into whether someone is comfortable uh, in a particular role or not. Yeah, there is an element, uh, what makes it difficult uh, sometimes is that let's say you take, uh, let's say five developers or five testers or five BAs or five people doing the same kind of job. They also have different perspectives of of what quality so for uh, put 10 developers in a room and ask what what good code looks like right so they will have very different views on what good code looks like so sometimes even standardizing uh let's say that those people have the power to to to, to change uh the area that they're working on according to their needs just trying to agree on, on that quality uh is, is very difficult and then there are different levels of quality. I'll try to be a bit more uh, specific just to keep that focus on the software uh, process. Uh, but code standards, for example, is, is a pain to create, right? So because I like having coding standards because then allows me to every part of the code base that I go to, it's, well, ideally, it would look like as if it was written by a single person. But I would also like that, that the way that that single person writes the code is the way that I like the code to be written. Right? 
so so that's where the the the, the complication gets so so for example there is an alignment across people doing similar jobs so they will need to sit down and say look this is what we consider quality for us and and they will need to compromise as well so 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 there is a, an alignment that needs to be in there and certain things are easy to enforce so i would also like to i don't want to take too much time but like i would like to emphasize like with more concrete examples when you go to the software itself or the software process the different levels because one of the most common things for us to hear when we when people are talking about quality they talk about the quality of the code or the quality of the tests but that's in the very very low level right and some in the low level there are certain things that could be easily measured and others that cannot for example the sonar jose you mentioned sonar cube and like many people using statically typed languages like in java we we, we have a, a very rich uh suite of tools for the static analysis tools, right? So, so then you can, the teams can agree on the on metrics that are about the structure of the code itself, but not the semantics of the code. They can see like how each class and method is gonna be written, the kind of test they should have and stuff, but it would be very difficult, for example, to agree of what the overall design you have for each part of the system. This is a more subjective thing. This is a thing that tools will struggle to measure because you have a, a domain, uh, you need to map a domain or something like that. And then there are other areas. Uh, I just want to very quickly uh, finish because when we were speaking to this client, and very specific, this client asked, okay, you guys are very good in, well, um, you, you, you praise craftsmanship and, and, and test-driven development and extreme programming. How do you measure quality? And one of the things that we were explaining were that is called quality in the small. And quality in the small is what I was talking about. It's the code base, it's how the code looks like and the, the unit test for those units and so on and so forth. That is the small. And that for me can be unified across the code base or across systems. The team should be able to reach an an agreement at that small level. But when we go to a few levels up, I was giving an example of a client that we have where we have four different teams working in parallel. Moving quality bar upwards a bit, for example, in one of the those departments, quality for that department at that point in time was testing. They had a, a very complex system and the manual process takes a very, very, very long time. So for them at that point, quality would mean we would like to have a more reliable and faster test, automated test suite. And that's what's being done in that area. In another area, for, for example, they had a, a problem with performance. They deal with millions and millions of transactions and they have a very complex set of systems that talk to each other. So quality in that department at that level was a matter of simplifying the architecture that would touch three different systems, and and but the objective was to have a more uh, a system that could perform uh, and scale better, and benefit from the cloud, it would be more cloud native service. So so there was an architectural uh, change in there to satisfy those quality needs. And another team, for example. They had a group of people working in the same area and they were struggling to parallelize work. The code was really complicated. So 
was to restructure the code in a way that is easy to parallelize work, but most importantly, also to uh, deal with uh, regulatory com uh, compliance to regulations and certifications easier in that area as well, that today is too mixed. So as you can see, there are three, like I just gave an example of three of the four teams, uh, just not to take too much time, but like the notion of quality in those areas at the higher level, a bit above the code, is different. That's what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I would say is <clears throat> another area to look for quality is uh, quality in the level of skill. Because when you were talking about static code analysis, I've done that with in teams a lot in the past. And one thing that if we could go back in, in the, those days to actually <clears throat> start thinking about why do we have to put these static code analysis in place? Because one is that, you know, the team would make an agreement and what we are doing is we are codifying that agreement. But the, these things, the, these analysis, we had like things like JDepend and those kind of things that actually would fail the build if you followed certain types of kind of package patterns and architectural patterns and those kind of things. Or if you had, you know, a, a constructor with uh, 20 uh, arguments and that kind of stuff, right? And thinking back on it, actually, this, the, the problem here is not related to, you know, sh shall, sh shall we kind of have this kind of static analysis tool? It's more about the skill of the individuals or in the team who think that, you know, who have different ideas of code quality at that lower level. So this is where I'm thinking about quality of the skill of individuals within a team. Um, and how do you how do you then get to a standard level of understanding on what makes good design? We call that micro design, like at the code level. What makes good design and what doesn't make good design, right? And this is where I, I personally prefer more abstract notions and you know things like coupling and cohesion and so on, where you can talk to people and and even have people uh, understand what whether this piece of code is good or not without having to go right down to the number of lines in a method or the number of arguments in a in a thing because i think they they can be they're a bit too arbitrary or you know they can be right or wrong but if you talk more about a, a higher level concept even at the core design and uh, people skills level are high enough to be able to understand that and have the discussions at that level, it would be much better than certain code analysis or metrics. You you brought up one topic there that I think is, is quite important, which is what you choose to measure sort of like will generate certain behaviors. Now, and if you're measuring how many uh, lines are in a method, um, people tend to comply with that or to you know cheat the metric if you want uh, to, to some extent and and this is an important thing to to think about when choosing you know what kind of metrics you want to look at when you know observing you know, that that quality based on on your perspective you no know, is that what you choose to 
measure will generate certain behaviors that you may not want <laughs> right yeah uh so this is why things uh, you know like you mentioned before lead time and so on which are metrics that um to some extent cross boundaries and, and sort of like give you an idea of the whole system how the whole system works yeah and not so much at, at the level of detail are better suited to for that you know because uh, you end up with optimizing the system as a whole and not so much the the individual no the silos or components the same with you know you mentioned coupling and cohesion to some extent for me that that's kind of a uh, similar than just going into the the the, the patterns that you're using or, or so on and there's another aspect of that which is when quality or that metric becomes the objective no yeah uh, and and this is another point right like we we talked about quality as you know a way to achieve an outcome and a a lot of times we see that people tend to make quality no, the thing that they that they're after instead of the outcome and this just being you know a means to an end right um and yeah could you share a bit about some of your experience i, I have a couple of examples but yeah i i, I would like to to just to say one thing first of all i don't want you to give the impression that i i think that the static analysis tools uh, are, are the solution uh, that was not where i was coming from uh and, and I, in general, I agree with everything we both said, but there are, there are a few things, there are a few caveats in here. Mm -hmm. So education, I, I'm totally for like a mesh, you, well, anyone that knows students well and us well, we know how much we care about our own education and, and, and our, our crafts, let's say. But we also understand that this takes a long time. So let's say one thing is to say, you have a small team, all focus on, craft and, and agile and stuff another thing to say is just hey we, we have an organization that has hundreds of developers and uh educating them all to a level where they understand the fundamentals so this is forget it like we this is going to take years and you might not even get that return because those people are going to move to other companies new ones will come and stuff so Having certain things, there are quality gates. And again, I'm not in favor of them in general. So I personally feel extremely constrained with things like SonarCube. And I would be really frustrated uh, if I have the, if I'm working with a very small team and SonarCube is, is, is every now and again failing yeah. our builds because we put like one argument in a constructor that, that in that case we felt that it made sense. But, but, but in general, when you look at like other contexts and some of our clients have those contexts, certain things that would fail the build because someone is creating a method that are gigantic or you don't have unit, a certain level of unit test, it's a way for you to try to stop the bleeding a bit, to control the, 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 the massive accumulation of technical data a bit. It's not going to solve anything. I'm not saying that those metrics are going to... Uh, make the code that they are writing uh, better. They are going to gain the metrics and stuff. They're going to do all sorts of stuff. But at least it's a way for you to start controlling the accumulation a bit. Yeah. yeah. Until you can catch up with the education because it will yeah. take a long time. No, that I was uh, totally, uh, I, I had exactly that, you know, when you were saying that is that, you know, you, you will need to do certain tactical things to stop 
the bleeding, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then to once you have stopped the bleeding or you think that you have done enough, is to start looking at these things, which, you know, as I think is, as uh, Jose was saying as well, like, you know, if, if you start, as soon as you put a measure in place, people will, I wouldn't even say cheat the measure or game the measure. I think I'd like to say that they address the measure. Right. So so they, their behaviors will change accordingly. And so, you know, as soon as you start putting these things in, because a lot of the times I have seen, you know, you, you are stopping the bleeding in sonar builds, for example, putting those things in. And, and then s- certain people just spend so much energy on that or teams spend so much energy on that that they forget sometimes that actually this is the poultice. This is, you know, it's not the this kind of. It's just to stop the bleeding and other things need to be done, which is that, you know, that mess was created by that team or that, you know, organization. And in order to, we have actually stopped them from making the mess, but in a, in a, in a, a kind of a tactical way. Okay, not addressing the, then, not addressing the root cause, let's yes, say. Um, exactly. It's, it's like so, superficial. You're treating the symptom, no, to some extent, but you're not, not the root cause of it. Yeah. And you need to treat the symptom because you, you know, you can't be living in pain while you're addressing it, but then you start. And I like the idea of actually measuring the skill levels of your, your organization and the teams. You know, we talk about, for example, in our own teams and coordinators teams, we talk about if the, the skill gap, which is the needed um, level of skills for, for the challenge and, and the skill that people have. And if there is a gap, and this is something that we, we monitor quite closely because actually when you start looking at these things, you start then addressing those kind of more root causes. Uh, but in order to get there, uh, you need to you need to have, you know, stop the bleeding and also totally agree. It's, it is related to scale as well. You can't, if you have a lot of, yeah, hundreds of developers working on the same system with a really wide spectrum of skills, you know, you can't, you can't just say, okay, we'll educate them and it will take as long as it takes. Meanwhile, you know, the thing is getting worse and worse to a, to a grinding halt. There is a, another conversation I had recently uh, with one of our clients. Uh, he had the need, the person that is heading that department, uh, this person had the need to monitor, not necessarily the velocity, but, but 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 he was a bit worried that the teams are not completing the stories every sprint. And he was trying to understand that or get the metrics around that area. So we had a very interesting conversation. And what I was saying was, why, for example, he, he was worried that the teams were not finishing what they promised in the sprint. Right, and here you have a problem, and this is what I was really worried about. What he could do, uh, and because, in one hand, you might have a team that is trying to overcommit, is a team that is really eager to do more and more, and they want to do more. So, so, so that's why they are they are bringing more things that they can do because they really feel that they can do more. 
not often they, they achieve that, but they, they like the idea of trying to achieve the maximum that they want in a sprint, right? So this is an example, assuming that that's the case for the team, right? Bringing a metric in and not necessarily punish the team, but like say to the team that is not a good idea to have things that were not finished in the sprint, would actually make the team work in a way that is less productive to the company because now the team will say, you know what, we are going to commit to less or we are going to start overestimating our thing so that uh, we will finish faster. So they will have their metrics, but we will be doing less in a way. So, so uh, on the other hand, you might have a scenario where the team is uh, not disciplined enough. Maybe they're not paying attention enough to the requirements. Maybe the root cause of not finishing the task is because they are not putting enough uh, effort, let's say, in clarifying the requirements, or maybe there are recurring issues that are blocking them during the sprint that don't allow them to progress. So I, I think that there is an importance in looking at those uh, metrics, let's say, but more in, an, in order to identify what's going on, is to get more knowledge of what's happening and then address the root cause, but not keep people to, oh, you didn't reach those numbers. You know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? No, to totally. And certain metrics are very, uh, are conducive to actually addressing the root causes and others are not. Like velocity is in, and again, it's my view, but it's a terrible metric. Yeah. It is, often used we internally say you know it should be for the team they like you know it's but externally people are looking at it all the time and making uh, business decisions and putting deadlines in place and all sorts of things you know the the what i'm trying to say is that it's not that other you know people stakeholders and so on should not be interested on in the performance of the team and the return on investment they're getting and all those kind of things but using a, a metric like velocity is is just going to create bad behaviors the the kind of things that they should be looking at is is more related to like waste that's building up in the team right the certain trends on you know how long change is taking or particular types of changes is taking uh, the level of skill within it or you know work building up it at different stages and th those kind of things i think would allow them to see more kind of like, give them better insight mm -hmm. than to to look at something like velocity i think i mean i'm mean, yes. just picking that as a metric but what i'm trying to say is that not all metrics are equal uh, certain things will point and help you see uh kind of uh, let's say root cause issues in a po in a positive way so you can help the team others are more about a blame, right? It's it's more about kind of judging the team from the outside without any real help for the team. Yeah, I just want you to to to, to also to to, to add uh, that this this person specifically the this this person the client, as we evolve the conversation, he actually had the the, the right mindset because he said like, I don't like measuring everything. I think is is uh, not uh, useful at all. Like not. But we are almost on the other extreme. We don't measure anything. Mm. And then as we evolve the conversation, and, and then he, he actually verbalized, he said, like, 
actually what I really want, I want a steady flow. I want predictability. I would like to see teams. He said, I don't even care about Scrum or, or the sprints. Uh, we use sprints, but like for me, like we, I don't care. What I would like to see is like pieces of work going through the, the, the pipe, you know, in a yeah. predictable fashion. And he said, I just need to start measuring something to see if I learn what's going on and then know where to look at. So you see what I'm saying? So he actually had the, 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 the right mindset. But sometimes it leads to let's measure velocity. It was, it was not where he was coming from, but he had to start measuring something to know where to dig deeper, let's say. But ultimately what he wanted was predictability and flow. So actually, um, there, is a, there is a book uh, called Flow, actually, as well. Uh, I think it's called Lean Product Development, Jose, or I can't remember the name. Princes, principles of Product Development Flow. Yeah. So actually, it's uh, there is an element in there because because we talked about flow uh, is is a really good thing to to look at because you start looking at you know where the bottlenecks are, where the problems are that you need to fix in order to to make the team or the the process perform better, right? Uh, in in there, actually, I vaguely remember it was a while ago when I read it. Uh, is that they talk about like sometimes we think predictability is is the is is the op, uh, kind of is what we are trying to achieve actually when you start looking at the root causes you start realizing that things certain things will come in that are are of different sizes and you may not get predictability but what you get is a confidence that this thing is taking as long as it should Mm -hmm. I think this is what you're looking for, right? Not that, more, not less. Exactly. That that's the confidence, that that feeling. Because often when you you know when you start looking at things, metrics and so on, is that you you're losing confidence that things are taking too long, or they're too unreliable, or there are too many things in the way, that kind of thing. So your expectation is that it should not take as long as it is taking, or it should be more reliable than it is those kind of expectations, they're not matching. And then you start thinking, well, how do I understand it? And then you start thinking, well, I need predictability, but. Because you cannot even plan, right? Ultimately, this is another aspect. So if you don't have the predictability, how do you plan? How do you come up with a strategy for your department, for your product, for your organization? If you, if you don't understand, uh, if you don't have predictability in how you do things, yeah, right? Yeah. It's impossible to plan. Yeah. And I mean, it's also planning at what stage, isn't it? It's like, um, it's actually even the, because a lot of the deadlines that we create, even in the planning stage, they are more, uh, often they're internal. I, I mean, there is definitely this element of, um, you know, the opportunity cost, right? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, you know, when you are doing something, what is the opportunity cost or, or what's the cost of delay? Often in Lean, they talk about that, that, right? And how you prioritize. And even with the planning, actually, when you go down to this kind of steady flow of things, one of the things that, you know, this idea of flow and, you know, in Lean is about creating the pool is that you can make really good decisions on what the cost of delay for the certain things is and then the and prioritize a car accordingly because the next feature may take you know five months but the one after that may take 
two days. But do you want that two days one? Because the, the five months one, the cost of delay of even two days delay might be much higher than adding this the two-day feature in. So kind mm -hmm. of when we talk about planning, we also need to understand what are we trying to achieve with the planning? Of course, mm -hmm. there are organizational issues uh, in the end, you know, like the organization, there might be a very rigid budget and then you have to work within that and so on. But then that's a bigger problem. But even with the planning, what are we trying to achieve? Right. And mm -hmm. kind of creating this flow as, as you know, he kind of did, started looking at that. That's what I want. I want a steady did, stream of flow so I can make timely decisions on what's coming next based on my business needs. And that's what you're is, trying to create within your team. This is quite interesting, Matt, because a lot of the times uh, quality has a relationship, a relationship with that. Now, usually when you talk about planning and you, you talk of the iron triangle, no, it's like oh, the features, the budget. No, you mentioned all of that. But then quality is like a, the hidden dimension no and a lot of people are like oh well if we're not if we have everything fixed then the quality needs to drop right and i think we all agree in this in this call no that quality is very important no we yeah. we all feel strongly about it no um uh, but it's it's also something that could help improve that flow that we're talking about no? and this is where things uh, going back to to a point that i raised uh, before like when quality becomes the objective and not the means to an end because you can have that quality uh, not only at different levels not but that experience that we were talking about can can be gradual as well right it doesn't need to start in you know the greatest experience uh, ever from the beginning right it can be slowly built yeah and you can make strategic choices around how you want to address uh, that quality no and this is where having a, a you know, being pragmatic about the solution that you're building, no, and understanding, you know, what are the constraints that you're uh, working with, no, and being able to adapt to that context. It's not about sacrificing. It's about making strategic decisions about how you want to implement those things, knowing well, you know, what it is that you are, uh, that you're choosing, right? And, you know, if you have a feature, no, going back to your example, no, this two-day feature or whatever, no, the, the cost of maybe the two-day feature, yeah, can be implemented in a different way, which, which it's also acceptable, yeah, right, um, and would reduce that. And you will get that flow. This is no longer about whether I sequencing, no, like whether I do this first or, or the other one first. If you can do that, that's perfect, no. Uh, but I feel like that's a that's a, an aspect, no, of, of quality as well that is is important to to understand that there are many ways in which you can achieve that experience, no, or that uh, safety net, or that you know overall uh, you know experience, no, uh, and choosing you know, the right approach to deal with the constraints in which you're working is very important, right? Like, let's say you, you get a new team that's never done, you know, TDD or any kind of testing, no? And if you, from the beginning, start, like, demanding the highest level, that's that's just going to create, you know, a, a, a clash, right? Like, that, that's not going to be a... a um, helpful in the, in the short term. Maybe in the long term, 
if people stay, no, and they they kind of like no go through that uh, uh, bump. They they will get to where you want them to be, right? But there is a process, right? Like that will take. No, when we're talking about skill, that that's going to take time. So setting up super high expectations of what that quality is from the beginning may be detrimental may actually be something that kills the the enthusiasm and the you know what they wanted to accomplish and they were all on board on it no uh the same way that sandra was mentioning before no like if i have you know a small team and then sonic cube is failing every five minutes you know it's like for me that's kind of like a similar uh context right it's like you need to understand where that lever is no and where do you need it and it's not about sacrificing in order to no it's it's you need to be strategic as well about how you are uh how you're using it no and and i feel like especially people who are getting into you know extreme programming practices they tend to have like a very dogmatic approach to to a lot of these things like it's this and you know it's, we we take it to the extreme which is like the no the, the original idea no? we take these things to the extreme right but then you realize that you know with experience sometimes you don't have to take them to the extreme right and it would it, it will work as well right and that's something that i feel is is, is part of the conversation as well no i i think as you were saying uh I, I was thinking in my head, I had a, a mental model of different levels of quality, where the lower levels of quality, they feed, they need to feed something higher. So, for example, we were talking about test automation. So, there is value on its own in terms of speeding up the how predictable and fast our, our test. There is value on that. But they contribute to a higher level of quality uh, right, so that we want, okay, so if you want to ship our systems faster, then uh, we could do that. And then there is the whole lead time and at all, like from an idea to software in production and so on and so forth. So, so imagine a pyramid of needs, let's say, and you have quotes everywhere. And sometimes, uh, as you were, the example you were giving was exactly what I was actually taking notes in here is, Sometimes we, we, we say, oh, or we feel pressure that we, we need to relax the quality on the small. And we feel bad about it. Oh, but are we not doing this thing that we should do, this massive re-engineering re or re-architecture, blah, 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 because this area is not so good. But at the expense of what? So we, if we are focusing too much in one area, are we having a local optimization? So we are over-engineering in the small, spending far more time than we should at the expense of a higher thing. So sometimes you say, you know what? Let this thing a bit shit right now because in terms of priorities, in terms of quality even, and this is what I, what I was thinking that I, I didn't think like that before. If you look at the quality at a higher level, sometimes quality for the business would be to release a feature faster for a set of clients and position their product in a better place according to the expectations of the market. And this will have a, a, a better perception of quality, not only internally, but even externally from their clients. Yeah. At the expense of accumulating some technical debt in this, this small. But then there's a trade-off in quality. So this, this is what I was just, I think that I just realized now. We are not trading quality off. So I don't want quality. You are just emphasizing quality in a different area, if you think about that, yeah. and de-emphasize on another. 
Yeah, yeah, you, you're kind of prioritizing one perspective over another, basically. Yeah. Right. And they, yeah. you know, we originally, when we talked about there are many perspectives, but they don't live um, independently. These perspectives have a um, impact on, on each other. And you have to balance the, the level or the rigor or the investment in each one of those areas in order to achieve one holistic goal. As long as we do that consciously as well, right? So we need to understand that although mm. we are favoring right now compliance to a new regulation or releasing a set of features that are really important to our clients because they are having, they are struggling to use our system well because some deficiencies or from lack of uh, capabilities in our system. So that is quality at that level, right? Mm. Of remaining in business in, ca in case of regulations or even satisfying our end users because their perception of quality is important. But yeah. then it needs to be a conscious decision that we are accumulating uh, technical debt in certain areas, but it, but it's a conscious. So I, 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 we are just conscious that we, we've been going for an hour now. So we, we start with how to measure quality. So should we, at what level should we measure quality at all levels? Like uh, what is our <laughs> summary here? Well, I think you, you said it right. There is a, I, I don't even think about it quality at different levels. I think holistically we need to understand what we are trying to achieve, what the goal is, right? And all these things that you mentioned at the lowest level, your test coverage and other levels like lead time and so on. I, you know, and you, you said there is a compo composable quality to them, right? The, the lower, I, I think of those, I wouldn't mention them as quality. I would see them as metrics or measures that help you at a lower level kind of know earlier that, the, that we are going in the right direction for the next high level. And that will see help you see that we are going in the right direction for the next high level because you want earlier feedback. You don't want to look at just the lead time and you know be too late for that feature, or that you know you're too late, you were too late, and you can't understand what went wrong, right? So, so you you basically it's about this observability of the whole flow of the whole system that you're picking these carefully picking and evolving on these measures that help you see the full picture and then help you use the levers so that you can you can address certain things in order for you to achieve the overall goal so so i think that for me that's the, the summary is that there is a composable quality to these metrics that you're going to choose choose them very carefully and always see that the the whole is much more important than the parts and so don't locally optimize always keep an eye on the whole but but then also look at the details on how how you will see these things early and often mm -hmm. i i want to add something because in all of this conversation we've focused focus mostly in you know, let's say an internal perspective to to quality and it is as important as you know the external one although we we haven't discussed as much now like what is quality from the point of view of a of, of your client no, or your user and so on um and those are areas that you should be looking at don't just look internally of course this is a lot of what you can affect but you can also do this 
if you're looking at your customer, no? And for this, you know, there, there are surveys, you can, in, in some examples, we've used uh, reviews in the Apple Store and, and the Google Play Store just to have some measure of, okay, so do they think it's crap or, do, you know? Uh, and again, these are all things, the important thing is you start somewhere, yeah? And that you, you build from that. No, and as, as you were saying before, Sandra, if you need to start and, you know, Sonar Cube is the easiest thing because the scale and, you know, you need to stop the bleeding, et cetera, et cetera, do that, but don't stay there, right? Continue moving, understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish, understand how quality and the, the different perspectives of quality will help you get there and, and build on top of those successes, right? And, and you know, eventually you'll, you'll get there, no? Yeah, what I was saying is like uh, if you have quality uh, metrics at the low level, just make sure that they contribute to a quality to a metric at the higher level. Because quite often I see also an obsession with uh, metrics at the low level. But I said, okay, so even if we if we have more story points per sprint, or if we have more uh, certain metrics on Sonar Cube looking better. What does it even mean, right? So in the, the big scheme of things, in the business context, what does it mean? And, and quite often, a lot of organizations that are obsessed with the, the low-level metrics, they don't have the metrics at the, the high level. You ask them, for example, what is your lead time? They don't know. Or what is the lead time of each uh, aspect of your process? They don't know. So, so I think that they also should put more... Uh, effort in understanding what they want to achieve at the higher level so that the metrics at the lower level become useful metrics to contribute to that goal and also use metrics to more as, a, as an indicator of areas that you want to improve, not as like you need to reach those numbers and stuff. It's more like as things go off a bit as an indicator, okay, this is an area that we might need to pay attention and see what's going on in there. So it, it, as, as, as information and not like a management tool. I think that's another important aspect. All right. So then uh, being conscious of time, uh, I think we should probably close it here. This is a topic that, of course, you know, we could be talking about for hours. We didn't go into the, it, it, we, we didn't go a lot into, you know, the roles and how this stuff gets implemented in the organization, that kind of stuff, right? So we, we can probably do other sessions on it. Um, before we go, remember, you know, if you liked it, you know, there's plenty of other episodes that we've done so far, plus content in the Kajun uh, channel related to to a lot of these practices and, and things that we've discussed. And of course, remember to like, subscribe so that you get the notifications when we when we publish another episode and see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye bye.